Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. And right now I'm doing some studying on, um, are you poor or are you just broke? And so I think most people are just broke. They spend more than what they should be spending to, you know, to have a nice life. Poor, to me, would say that you don't have money to even buy food or even have access to your maybe your basic medical needs and those sort of things. So when we were growing up, you know, mom and dad, they, they each were very... Um, they wanted to, they both had control over their own money and I'm sure they shared some, but it was always a competition. You know, I paid for this so you can pay for that type thing. And, um, and it was, um, money was not plentiful, but I think we were probably broke because, you know, he would take his money and spend it on whatever and she'd take her money and spend it on whatever. So I'm not convinced we were poor. I'm convinced we were more broke than poor. Howdy friends, Amy Irvine here. In today's episode with Kim Anderson, we are going to be talking about Medicare and Social Security. As you may recall, I have deemed June the month that we are going to be talking about issues around aging and some of the concerns that go along with those issues. And so we are going to be touching base about Medicare, Social Security, care planning, and a wonderful tool called WealthCare that we are now using also, Kim is one of our financial planners on staff. She happens to be a CPA, as you'll hear in the recording. And I think you're going to like Kim as much as we love Kim for being part of the team. If you haven't already met her and you are on Medicare, you certainly will because she will be absolutely involved in the review process later this year. And if you're approaching Social Security, Kim will definitely be part of the team that analyzes the maximization and utilization of your Social Security benefits. We hope you enjoy this show. And as always, sit on back, sip your favorite glass of wine and enjoy. You are listening to Wine and Dime, the podcast that combines two passions, wine and personal finance with your host, Amy Irvine. Amy is a certified financial planner and owner of Rooted Planning Group and author of Uncork Your Finances. You can learn more about Amy by heading over to the website, www.rootedpg.com. And now, on to the show. Take it away, Amy. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is Kim Anderson. Kim joined Rooted Planning Group back in August of 2018, and she has been working with us specifically on some of the uh, pre-retiree and retiree issues within our, our clients and their lives. 
Kim is a CPA and she has an incredible background that I think you're really going to enjoy learning a little bit more about. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy. Glad to be here. So Kim informed me prior to the recording that she's not much of a wine drinker, but she does like beer. So tell me, Kim, what's your favorite beer? My favorite flavor of the day happens to be um, IPA. It's an IPA at this point. Um, I know where to find it in the liquor store, but honestly, I don't know what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Just goes to show we're creatures of habit, right? Right. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, we do have a, a reminder that, you know, I open up with every episode that our lives are very similar to vineyards and um, we all like very different wines or beers or sometimes it's even tea or water, right? Um, But there's favorite parts of our vineyards or favorite parts of wine. So you've already told me that you have a favorite IPA. You're not sure what it's called, but you know right where to get it. (laughs) That's the important thing. So it makes you, it takes you to your happy place, right? Correct. <laughs> well, like wine, there are stages in life too, right? So there's the beginning, there's the development, and there's aging process. And you and I, Kim, are sort of the older end of the practice. I guess you want to say we're we're not old by any chances, but we're we're the folks that are dealing with either uh, baby boomers or um, the sandwich generation, and um, you know we're we're in that age group to a certain extent too, right? Yes. So we're familiar with what they're going through. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your own personal journey, if you're willing to share about, you know, who you are, because I know you, um, and I know that you have an amazing path and journey that you've come through to becoming a, you know, financial planner. And I, I think that that really is, a telling aspect of how compassionate you can be in other ways. Well, thank you. Um, it's, it's kind of a long story and we'll try to do, you know, somewhat of a reader's digest version here. (laughs) Um, so growing up, um, we didn't really have conversations about money. Um, mom did, dad did, And the conversation went like there was never enough. Um, I'm really not sure who controlled it. They both worked, but I think that she would have her stash and he would have his stash. And I don't think it was, and they might've even had a joint checking account, but it always seemed to be a conflict about money. And so um, it's kind of interesting. It, you know, it's, it's formed each of us kids. There's five of us kids. It's formed us in different ways. And I'm probably, I would guess, the least worried about money at this point. And that's only because I know that if I've done it once, I can go out and do it again. Where both of my sisters, they, um, they're actually um, very, very conservative. And it's almost like the pie is only so big. And if they give away some of that pie or if they lose some of that pie, the pie shrinks. And I'm thinking the pie, you know, it's it's unlimited. The pie is not a finite size. And so I think I do worry about money the least out of all of us five kids. And so um, 
Then I joined the military um, and I spent some time in the military, probably 10 years. It was almost 10 years. And um, so I got out after it was like nine and a quarter years, actually. So I got out. And my dad says, why are you doing that? What are you going to do? Where are you going to live? Well, I'll figure it out. I always figure things out. So then I started going to college and um, that was in Arizona. And then I moved up north, um, went to college for a year in St. Cloud, Minnesota, went to St. Cloud State. And then I moved to where I currently live. And um, right now I actually live here longer than I've lived anywhere else. So it's been over 20 years that I've lived here. And I finished my college degree here, liked what I was doing, but um, it was my, my degree is in construction management. And, and this was um, 96, I think I graduated. And what I didn't do is I didn't go out and do a, um, an internship. So if anybody was to ask me nowadays, what's the best way to do some of this stuff? Absolutely hands down, go get yourself a really good internship. Mm-hmm. I did an internship, but it was with, because I was working at the college. Um, it wasn't um, work study, but I was working there. So I kind of did the internship like right there. And I didn't get the same experience as the other kids in the class. And I'll just call them boys because at that point they were all men, but they were younger than me. So I'll just call them boys. So then when when we graduated, they ended up by getting all the good jobs. Well, you know, these people hired who they were familiar with and that was them and it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And so um, that wasn't really going anywhere. So I quit um, that job. And, you know, in between now and then, I've done multiple, multiple things. Um, I did my real estate. um, I was a real estate agent, real estate broker for a while. And I discovered I do not like commission selling because I think when you sell on commission, it's you almost have to be dishonest um, because when you're selling on commission, I'm going to sell you something. If I have to feed my family, I might sell you something that is not good for you. And I don't like to have to do that. So, you know, joining up with you um, last year was actually a really good fit for my moral compass in the way I process things, which is let's do the right thing and the money will come. So, um, you know, here again, you know, I've been a real estate agent. I've done some other things. And one of the things I found that I'm really passionate about, and I think that people are really lacking is um, in, in the financial education in the in the finance world personal finance because i believe that personal finance it's a little bit about finance and it's a whole lot about personal yeah and i'm not one to get into people's personal business but if we can straighten out the money portion of things for people then i think that their lives are going to be a whole lot better and and they can you know perhaps forego some of these, um, um, you know, marriage counselors or whatever else leads them to go to a marriage counselor. And so I really like the personal finance world. And I, and it's something I should have been doing a long time ago, but I needed, I think I needed to do everything I needed to do 
the bad, you know, getting here a long way to figure out this is where I should be and should have been. But I'm not going to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have done this when I was in my 20s because I wouldn't have the experience that I have now to help people. Well, I think the comment that you made about it's personal, I think that um, I do think that that's it, it's not viewed that way by many people. Like, you know, it's, it's often, uh, it, it, people think finance and they, they don't understand, like our job is not to judge them about their finances. Our job is not to um, tell them they can do this or can't do this. Our job is to take their personality and take their goals and take their beliefs and give them advice around that. And, and I, so I think, I think you're right. That word personal is, is really important. You know, for example, some clients that we have, they believe they, their culture believes that they believe it as a person, that it is their responsibility to take care of their parent. Now, by doing that, they may be innately harming themselves for their retirement success because they believe, well, if I take care of my parents, my kids are going to be able to take care of me, right? But that's not always true. But we can't tell somebody, hey, by you doing this, like, you know, you're, this is, you can't do this. We can't tell them to do that. We can't say, don't do this because that's against their values and their beliefs. And that, that is extremely personal, right? That's, that's just one aspect of it. That's extremely so I, I love that you point that out, Kim. And I love that um, I love that your journey allowed you to experience so many other things because when you're doing financial planning, when I mean when you were in the military, so let's just address that particular issue. When you were in the military, um, it was um the exposure to people was incredible, right? I mean, you had to learn a lot of different people. Yes. And so having that experience brought it forward to you working in this particular aspect of things and connecting with people like that because you actually understand it. You've lived that military life. <laughs> you understand right. the system. You get it. And... Um, you know, you wouldn't have had that any unless you, you know, any other way. You just wouldn't have had it. Can I tell you something funny? So I let, I went into the military from northern Minnesota. And northern Minnesota is pretty lily white. And, you know, and this was in the 80s. And so I get into the military and, you know, I end up in San Antonio in basic training. And I am surrounded by people of, Obviously, they come from inner cities, outer cities, suburbs, country, the whole bit. And not everybody is as lily white as me. And so it was, um, I'll tell you, it was a shock. And then when I moved back here to Fargo, North Dakota, which is a couple hours away from where I grew up, um, it was, here again, I got out of the military and I come back here. And although we have a ton of colleges around here, a ton of college students, uh-huh. uh, it's still pretty lily white and it was a shock to come back and not have that culture 
<laughs> yes. And so, you know, you're looking for, you know, the different people, they might speak a different language or they might have different accents or, you know, um, those sort of things. And it, it was an adjustment for me to, to move here to Fargo after having been in the military. And it was, you know, it was, like I said, it was a shock to move into the military from being in Northern Minnesota. When you, I know you said like your parents had the, like you were the least financial, you were the, your parents worried about you least financially of all of your kids. But when, did you guys have money conversations when you were a kid? Was there something in particular that kind of sparked the interest early on or? Um, We never had financial conversations. We just didn't have money. And, you know, and right now I'm doing some studying on, um, are you poor or are you just broke? Hmm. And so I think most people are just broke. They spend more than what they should be spending to, you know, to have a nice life. Poor to me would say that you don't have money to even buy food or even have access to your, maybe your basic medical needs and those sort of things. So when we were growing up, you know, mom and dad, they, they each were very, um, they wanted to, they both had control over their own money and I'm sure they shared some, but it was always a competition. You know, I paid for this so you can pay for that type thing. And, um, and it was, um, money was not plentiful, but I think we were probably broke because, you know, he would take his money and spend it on whatever. And she'd take her money and spend it on whatever. So I'm not convinced we were poor. I'm convinced we were more broke than poor. And then, um, I was like, I was in the military, I think. And I was like 25 maybe. And they, they decided they were going to get a divorce. And they um, they had bought some land. I think it was like forty acres, maybe eighty acres of land. And picked it up for a dime. You know, when they first got married, it's like you know, nineteen sixty something. And um, they decide they're going to get a divorce. So he moves out, and neither of them paid the house payment, and they got behind. And the bank repoed the house and all eighty acres because they they were both wanted to control their money and nobody was going to pay to keep the house, to keep the land. And it, it, you know, I don't know if it continues to this day, um, but me and my husband, it's like, you know, I, I take care of the money, but we sit down quite often. This is where we're at. We're, we're in the process right now of, of making some other financial decisions, like selling the rental house, What's what's the least amount we're going to take for that um, when we sell? Because we're going to have this money conversation now, and it's, we're not going to sit at the negotiation table and um, and try to figure this out. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I I haven't read that book that you're mentioning, although it it sounds interesting. Um, because a lot of people have talked to both of us and they say, I'm making really good money, but I can't figure out where it's going. So are you broke or are you poor? <laughs> That's a great, I'll have, to, I'll have to look into that. We'll try to post that in the show notes so that people can maybe even read it themselves, right? Sure. So tell us a little bit about what are your passions? Like what gets you pumped up about, like, you know, your 
your vineyard or your, your hops garden? <laughs> what, what is it that, you know, what is it that really charges you up? What charges me up is um, if I can, if I can talk to somebody and, and make a difference and it's just, you know, I can see it. I mean, it, it, if I can, if I can make a difference. And so um, I was sitting down with some folks recently um, on the financial side and um, we're talking about their income. So here's your income and we're talking about their expenses. Okay. And then um, I showed them a cash flow and I said, this is your cash flow based on what you're telling me. And their eyes opened and I didn't really have to do anything besides take the, the facts and they give me the facts. So take the facts and put those facts together into something in a way that they haven't thought about before. And um, it was eye opening and you know, we'll see how it turns out. They don't have to take, like you talked about, Amy, at the beginning of the show, they don't have to take our advice. But um, it also, you know, runs through several years of cash flow. And I did wrap it up by telling them I'm a little concerned because, you know, because the conversation went something like, well, we can take out of the 401k to cover this cash flow. Well, you can, but what happens if you are um, taken out of that 401k in a down market? Then what kind of a 401k do you have in say five years? Depends on how far the market goes down. It could be, it could wipe it out. Yeah. And you had just written um, an article a couple of days ago that we put now from when we're recording this, that was about annuities, right? And to that point about what you're talking about, sometimes we will use like an immediate annuity to protect against that particular issue that you're talking about, but it still comes down to spending and being willing to adjust if there is a down market and, you know, looking at the complexities of somebody's life. And if they're living very closely to the edge of what the withdrawals can be, that raises some concerns, right? That's really... Yeah, that's really concerning. And you know, the thing that I love about numbers (laughs) is they are what they are. You know, like we don't, um, I was at a meeting, a board meeting for a financial or for a a charitable organization. And, you know, I, I said, I said, the reason I like being treasurer on these organizations is because, you know, I just, I present the facts. (laughs) These are the numbers. They are what they are. And you can't argue with them. They're just there. And so when we're presenting something to somebody like that, you know, I think for them, they're like, wow, I've never actually sat down and looked at it in aggregate. And it's so interesting to see the reactions. I think when we do that. And I think that's a good way to say what um, the question that you asked me Um, So I want to take those words and make them my own to look at it in aggregate and look at it from a, you know, in a, in the big picture for the long term is way too many people, you know, they're living, I don't paycheck to paycheck maybe, or year to year or whatever, you know, they have a little sum saved up at the end of the year or whatever the case is, 
But let's look at this on a in a bigger picture on a longer term. Um, and, you know, as we progress through our conversation, we'll probably even talk about, you know, parents and grandparents who are co-signing loans for their kids and, you know, student loans are going to be taken out of the grandparents' social security. So here again, that long-term look, let's, let's do that. And it's, um, and if you can make a difference when you sit down with people and do that, that's very satisfying. Yeah. And I know, um, one of the things that, uh, you work a lot with actually, because, um, as a, as a group here at Rudy Planning Group, we kind of, the benefit of the group eh, is that we all have these different sort of specialties and aspects within our practice that we're really, you know, experts in, right? So you've spent a lot of time focusing on Social Security, Medicare, pre-retirees. I mean, these are areas that you, you have spent a, a a fair amount of time really studying, digging into the details. Um, you've done a couple presentations and, and um, recordings for us on the website. Um, it's really, uh, it's and it's really important uh, that people understand that there's a lot of areas to that. Like people think of Medicare as health insurance for anybody over 65. But I think your response to that would be very different. Um, That is true. Um, On one hand, it is insurance for people over 65. Um, And one of the things I just found out is my uncle has got stage four liver uh, failure and he is on um, um, Social Security disability. In two years, he will also be eligible for Medicare. So it's not for just those over 65. And so I'm glad my aunt checked into that. And, and now knows that. But yes, when it comes to Medicare, um, what people what people think is it's free. And I think that's one of the most concerning things. It's not free. You don't generally um, pay for Part A. But anybody entering the program right now, Part B is a minimum of $135 per month per individual because they don't come in group plans. And then um, if you don't do that um, when you're supposed to, then the government says we're going to penalize you. And it can be a significant penalty depending how long you wait. Same way with Part D. Part D, which is your um, uh, um, medications, Mm -hmm. that uh, doesn't generally cost a lot of money. Here again, if you wait, they're going to penalize you. And then the other section is um, the Medigap. And so, you know, all in, and we've talked about this multiple times, Amy, um, just, you know, outside of the podcast, we're talking $5,500 to $6,000 per year that it costs each retiree on average because your Medigap and your Medicare doesn't generally cover dental, not vision, not hearing aids, and some other costs. And then one of the things that um, one of the ways that you might be able to get that included in in your um, coverage would be to go for a um, Medicare Part C. And so 
that might work for some folks. Um, if you travel a fair amount, like you do to and from, you know, New York to Florida, probably wouldn't be a good option for you because they tend to be HMOs. And if you go out of that net- network, they might not pay. So, you know, Medicare Part A, generally no costs or no premiums and Part C, but you also have to pay for Part, part B to get Part C. <laughs> I call it the ABCs of Medicare because it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's very confusing. And then when you talk about the, the Part C, which is also known as Medicare Advantage, um, I know in my area, when I pull up, um, when I go out to Medicare.gov and I put in the zip code and I pull up all of the plans that are available on the Medicare uh, plan, then it is, I think, like 27 different options or something like that. So, you know, between traditional Medicare with all the Medigap plans, and then there's like, just to make it confusing, those Medigap plans have like plan A through, what is it, like N or something like that. So we've got, when people come into me, they're like, well, I have this part N and I'm like, you don't have part N, you have plan N (laughs) in a Medicare supplement, you have part A, B, D and plan N. And they're like, no, I have part N. I'm like, there is no part N. You know, there's a supplement part. It's very, very confusing. And then when you, like I said, you start getting into the whole, the whole part C, which is also called Medicare Advantage. It has its pros and its cons. Um, you know, you generally, you don't pay anything more than you would for your Medicare premium. If you were on, uh, you might pay a little bit more, but not a ton. And the, and the Advantage plans might have some of that dental and vision coverage in there that traditional Medicare won't. So it is not an apples for apples comparison. And that's why when it comes around every single year, because, and the other thing that I often see with Medicare is that people pick a plan and they never make a change ever. And that's probably one of the biggest financial mistakes in my opinion for people over 65 that they can make, because as we age, our needs get bigger. Our needs for coverage get bigger. And we may need, you know, it might be, might be more economical to actually pay a premium versus not pay a larger premium because you, your out-of-pocket costs might end up being more. So I think it's, it's not a set it and forget it. It's why we review our clients' coverage every single year. And, you know, you're really getting into that at this point in time, digging into the details. And for people that are you know, new coming on board, that's, that's an area that you're, you know, we're looking at those total out-of-pocket costs pretty closely. It's, it's like Greek, right? I mean, I, I feel bad that we've just thrown, I don't know, probably for the last five minutes, thrown all these scenarios around, but it's really important that people know that it's not a one-size-fits-all when you get to age 65. Absolutely. Um, another thing that seems to be, you know, somewhat popular is the Christian Health Ministry and how does that interact with Medicare? And so I just had someone ask me that. And so I had to dig into it. And what I found out is, you know, because Christian Health Ministry, it it covers, it's got some pretty good, it's not insurance, it, it's health mm-hmm. sharing. And it's got some pretty good coverage. But what I found out is if you have that, want to keep that, you're going to want to opt into part A, you need to buy part B, and you need to buy part D. 
And if you don't, um, you're probably paying all those costs yourself because Christian Health Ministry pays the 20% that um, Medicare doesn't pay. Well, if that's true, then you have to opt in for the A and the D and they will pick up the 80%. And then Christian Health Ministry will pick up the 20. So is it is it at that point a really good deal for you to do the Christian Health Ministry or to go to an advantage plan or to go to Medigap? Right. And here again, it's it's an individual situation and it's you know it just depends is the you know the answer should you do it or shouldn't you do it it depends yeah it's not a yes or no and and even those leading up to that you had mentioned you know some people um may be getting it because of disability not necessarily because they're age 65 correct and but they have the same complications yes so it's important again to make sure that um, to make sure that people fully they either get advice or they really dig into the details of exactly what's going on. So they're not they're not surprised by what's what they're going to be hit with medically speaking, um, because that definitely uh, affects their pocketbook, right? So. So let's talk a little bit about even like on, so we're talking about Medicare, let's talk about social security. And, you know, one of the things that you and I have spent a lot of time working on is the whole analysis behind social security and looking to see what, um, what are the options that people have? We talk a lot about optimization, uh, but people need to know like, what are their options so that they can make decisions, right? Right. Um, there's any number of options, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're single, you have no one dependent on you. Um, you know, maybe you opt in at 62. Um, it, you know, depends on what kind of, do you need the money at 62? Do you need the money? Mm-hmm. If you don't at 62, you know, do you need it at 64? If you're single, that's when you might want to then start drawing it. If you're married, though, it's not that cut and dry. Um, How much younger is the spouse than the person that is eligible? Um, How how much do you want to look out for that spouse after you're gone? Um, I've recently talked to a couple and, you know, they're pretty close in age, but her PIA, um, primary insurance amount, that's the amount that you would get if you retired um, at full retirement for yourself. Anybody after 1960, that is age 67. Um, in between 19, what is it, 1950 or 51, all the way up to 59. Um, it's 66 years and some months. Is mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for these folks, um, she, her PIA was... I don't know, 700 or something. And his was uh, close to 3000. And so he wants to look out for her, you know, when he's gone. So um, I showed him the calculations and he's looking at this and he goes, help me understand this. So we went through the different scenarios that I created. There's five of them total. And he said, okay, so if I wanted to ensure that she was 
taken care of after I was gone, then I should wait until I'm 70. And I said, if you can do that, that would be the best because your age that you, your PI age is, you know, 60 seconds and some months, and then you get delayed credits all the way up to 70. And so if you were to die, then she gets what you get. Right. The higher amount. Yep. And so for her, I don't see any reason why she shouldn't start claiming right away. Um, I think, her, like I said, her PIA is something like 700 and something. But if she does it at 62, it'll be like 500. Uh, you know, not a big difference. Yeah, it's going to be less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if she starts drawing on him, um, you know, at his, when he retires and she starts drawing off of his work record, um, hers will increase. She'll get way more than the 500 that she started out with. She'll get half or so of what he's getting. And so looking at that situation, like you're talking about, you're saying, you know, one should start taking it now. And then when he starts taking it, she can then switch to claiming off from his at that point in time and get the higher amount. And then if something happens to him, hers goes away, but his remains and it's a much higher amount. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so for people sitting there, if you're driving and you're thinking, what railroad train did I just run into when, <laughs> with all of that said, this is the thing that we're talking about when we talk about, you know, the issues around um, planning for retirement, planning for aging situations. And um, Kim and I are also utilizing just to kind of take it the next step. So we you know, for anybody that's reaching that age or, or even considering pre-retirement, they might not even be 62 at this point in time. They might be late fifties. We sit down with them and we look at these kinds of situations and scenarios and we try to educate people on their options. But then there's also what I see causes many, many plans to fail because, you know, everything can be looking like it would go all rosy, but what I see many, many plans um, fail, and this is sort of in our series um, this month of June on, you know, aging and aging issues is long-term care. And I don't mean long-term care insurance. I mean, long-term care, having a, a care plan in place and, um, you know, really uh, setting up like what, what's going to happen here? What's going to be the plan if X happens. And we utilize a system to try to pre-plan for some of those things. And I'll give you an example. If mom is, I don't know, right now, like, you know, because the clients we're working with, we got a lot of people like late fifties, early sixties, and they're taking care of their parents, right? So they might sit down with their mom and they're noticing some issues and they say, you know, mom, I'm not sure it's safe for you to drive, you know? And mom says, I can drive no problem. And there's no issue associated with that and blah, 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 blah. You know, they're looking at it going, oh, I don't know. Is that, I don't know. Okay. You know, I, all right. I don't know what to say about that. Right. Because mom says she can drive. Um, but if, we're not to the point where we're having to make that decision or we feel like something's taking it away from us. We can logically think like, when should I not drive? 
And so you and I will work with clients on a system called Wealthcare, which a physician a turned financial planner by the name of Carolyn McClanahan actually designed so that we financial planners could ask the right question. And there's basically three question or three quizzes that we have people um, answer. One is called financial care taking, one is wealth um, care risk profile, and then the third one is the proactive aging plan. All three of them are very important, but that proactive aging plan is really, really, really critical in us sitting down with the client and saying, you know, if your plan that we've put together to you has X, Y degree of success, but if we throw in long-term care expenses, that goes down to like 20%. So let's take a look at your proactive aging plan so that we can try to avoid you going into a nursing home or needing, you know, full onset care. So when, when I think about that process, um, I think how important it is to have those discussions in a non-emotional, not that it's not emotional to even go through it in our late fifties, early sixties, but it's less emotional than like months before a driver's license gets taken away. Right. Um, you know, what are you finding when you talk to clients about issues like this? Um, let me just tell you this, and I think this is an absolutely perfect example of what we're talking about here. Um, and then we can, you know, talk a little bit more. So my uncle, a um, little bit younger than my dad, so he's in his early 80s. And he had um, a small stroke, but he could still, you know, get around. Um, it affected him a little bit, but, you know, not too bad. And then at this point, it's probably about a year and a half ago, he had another stroke. And his um, second wife, they got married when they were in their 60s. Um, she drove him to the doctor. And apparently they were not good enough um, in their conversations to convince the doctor to keep him. And so they, the doctor apparently turned him away, but you know, that's just what I'm being told. So she brought him to a different hospital and they said, yes, you're having a stroke. So he um, had the stroke and he, he's actually now in, he went through some rehab and those sort of things in the, in the hospital. And I think that was all getting paid for by Medicare. And then he wasn't making the progress that he needed to be making. So Medicare says, you're not making progress. Um, we're not paying anymore. So she shopped around um, and had and, and was looking for, I don't know if it was an affordable place or the cheapest place, but he is in a place and it's actually assisted living. It's not um, nursing home. And this is in northern Minnesota. It's $5,000 a month. Mm-hmm. in Northern Minnesota for assisted living. And unfortunately in that assisted living place, he really should be in a nursing home because um, they will find him in his um, wet clothing where he urinated on himself and those sort of things. So he's not getting the care that he needs, but um, the ex-wife is, or the wife, the second wife is, seems to be driving this decision based on the money. And so if, you t- if money was not an issue, I wonder if he would 
continue to be in the place that he's in. Um, so after he went into the um, assisted living, then they decided, well, we've got to make some financial decisions. And so she raises her hand and she says, um, we have a trust. Okay. Nobody, she didn't, she doesn't know anything about this trust. So she contacted my cousin and says, will you help me? So he's reading through all of this stuff. And he says, this is, this is what I think it is. And I think this is what it means. And, um, so here's, here's the wife. She doesn't know anything about this. She's relying on people, you know, the relatives to tell her what this means. She probably should have legal counsel to help her. Um, and she went and bought another house, um, to, to be closer to my uncle. And, and he's not in any capacity to be signing any documents, um, I hope that he's got a general or she's got a general power of attorney to make this stuff happen. And um, there is already infighting with his kids and her kids. Her kid wants to take over um, the the uh, um, the trust. She wants to be one of the trustees and remove her mom from that. So it's a really, really ugly situation. And so if this wealth, if these wealth care modules Mm -hmm. and help any family avoid this ugly stuff, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would think it'd be totally worth it because this is, it's really ugly and it's stressful on the immediate family, the extended family, because we're all worrying about, you know, my uncle who's in this assisted living and he doesn't appear to be getting the care that he needs. But the money yeah. is driving this decision to keep him there. And see, that's where it can be very helpful because, you know, the conversations would have taken place beforehand and there wouldn't be guessing involved. And that's the piece that we're trying to plan for. So when I talk to people about building a care plan, um, that's the one piece that I really, you know, that's what I'm referring to is, hey, you know, this is, we should be talking about, you know, what if you need care? Yes, of course. But I'm not talking about like long-term care insurance because everybody's like, oh, long-term care insurance is so expensive. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even talking about that. Although we may talk about it eventually and see if we want to do a, you know, risk transfer. What I'm talking about is what if this happens to you, then what, right? Yes. The if and <laughs> logic behind things. And so, yeah, it's really important. And I think in, um, the folks that we're working, the age groups that we're working with, I think it's super, super important to um, be proactively planning before we need to be reactively planning. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is that um, you and I, when we're looking at Medicare and we're looking at Social Security and we're talking about the risk profiles and the care planning, um, those are all proactive if you make elections prior to talking to somebody, you are reactively planning. And that's what we're trying to, we're really trying to get the word out about that and uh, um, make sure that people are aware that there's options. So, so I'm going to transition unless there's things that you would like to add uh, to that comment. No, I think you summed it up wonderfully. <laughs> I want to transition a little bit back to Kim, the person, Kim, 
Kim the CPA, right? <laughs> or Kim the person. Um, as you know, uh, having listened probably to prior prior podcasts, um, one of the questions that I love to ask people is what their definition of success is. That is a really interesting question. And to me, it is being able to um, live my life on my terms. And I don't know how else to say that. Um, But right now, I do most of my work from home, which is pretty fabulous. I, I do well, you know, working from home. And so, you know, this is working on my terms, you know, not somebody else's terms where you have to go into the office and, oh, by the way, punch the clock and those sort of things. Heck, if I can get up at midnight and do some work, and I think it's pretty dang fabulous. And then, um, you know, another definition of success is what we started talking about this at the beginning, Amy, is I don't worry about money all that much. Um, I just don't get I just don't get worried because, you know, my husband's a good guy. He will always be employed. Um, he supports me in what I do. We've made some some dumb decisions, but you know what? We always come out on the on the good end of things. No matter what happens, we can flip it around on a dime. And so not having to worry about money to me is success. So living life on my terms and not having to worry about money is my definition of my personal success. I love that definition. Um, living on your terms is, I mean, that's financial freedom, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you know, if I can help other people get there, you know, what a great life. Yeah, there's, we, um, uh, Becky and I met with a young woman so at the opposite end of the spectrum the other day, and she so desperately, when she wanted to start working with us, wanted to buy a house. And that was like her big goal was, you know, get me to where I can buy a house. And so we'd been working with her and said, you know, one of the things that you really need to do is go pre-qualify. Like that needs to be important. Or that needs to be done. And so she went through that process. And, you know, at the end of June, I think it is the end of June. Yeah. She's actually going to be moving into her and when she was talking about that with Becky and I, and she was so proud of it, she's like, you know, I feel, I finally feel like an adult, like, you know, this is a big move to me. And she was kind of getting like emotional. And I said to Becky after we hung up, and I know that you've had the same experience at the other end of the, the age range there. I said, that's what financial planning is about. We just help somebody succeed. We helped them. We helped them break down a barrier that they visually had and couldn't get over that wall. And there's, there really isn't anything more rewarding, I think, in what we do along those lines. How empowering for you and how empowering for this young lady. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you do it too. I mean, you know, when you're meeting with people and you're talking about healthcare coverage and, you know, various aspects of, of their life, um, you do the same thing. Just like the couple that you were talking about earlier, they were like, Oh, Oh, right. Right. Um, so I also love to ask the question. So I know what your definition definition of success is, but you know, what is it that 
you would say recharges you? Like what feeds your soul? That is another very interesting question. And I think for me personally, it is the constant pursuit of learning something. Um, You know, I've had jobs where, you know, you just need to sit there and do this day in, day out, and there's no learning to it, it, you know. And it's like, well, why don't you just go, I don't know, buy a robot or something, because this isn't me. And that's another thing that I really like about our profession is um, I will not profess to know everything there is to know about Medicare or Social Security, retirement in general, or anything else. Um, People are always throwing curveballs at us, and it's always an opportunity to go and find out more. And I love learning. And I love reading. So in my off time, I get to read and they're, no, they're, they're usually like military espionage novels. Military espionage and novels. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is the one piece of advice that you would give to listeners? I, I want our listeners to know that um, financial planning, and I'm really happy and proud to be part of um, Rooted Planning Group because we are a planning firm first, and we also do an you know investment management, investment advising. And I would I want our listeners to know that um, meeting with a financial planner should not be scary. It doesn't mean handing over all of your assets and then we'll give you advice. And I think the advice can be pretty dang affordable. Um, And we are also, um, you know, introducing some coaching Mm -hmm. uh, here coming up and, you know, Mm -hmm. folks can find that on our website. So, you know, I do a fair amount of hourly work. And so if you only need three hours worth of, or maybe it's just two hours, you know, it makes it a lot more affordable than, you know, going to whoever they say hand over our assets and then they might or might not give you advice. Yeah. 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 I do think that that's a little hidden secret about us that, you know, we probably need to be a letter, a little bit better about, um, marketing, I guess you want to say, because, um, uh, and I'm finding that more and more people are, like that hourly work or like that project work because um, they get to test the waters without a huge commitment. And yet I think they see the value once, once they get into it, they're like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I kind of want you to be like, you know, on call and, <laughs> and be there for me. So yeah, I, I, it's a valid point that, um, you know, sometimes you just need a little bit of advice and you don't need the whole kit and caboodle. And then other times you need the whole kit and caboodle. And we actually can do both. Yeah, that's a great point. My husband was working with a guy and he's like, you know what? I have asked our 401k provider if he can, you know, tell me this or, you know, give me this advice or whatever. And I never get any. I All I want is a little bit of advice on this little issue I have. I don't even know where to turn to get it. And I think, I think that's kind of the, the um, common misconception out there that, 
for one, your 401k provider is going to give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And for two, there's, there's no other options out there. There's lots of them. (laughs) Well, I am so appreciative of your time today. It's such a joy to have you as part of our team. It's so awesome to have somebody that, you know, we can all collaborate with and, um, and yet specialize at the same time. And I think um, the only, the, the final questions I'd love the, the listeners to know about Kim is uh, we know that you love your favorite IPA that's located in the liquor store that you don't know the name of, <laughs> but is there a particular food that you love to pair with that IPA? Um, you know what? Um, they always pair well with brats, grilled brats. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Kim, again, thank you so much for being on the show today. And we really appreciate your time and all the efforts that you make with our clients here at Rooted Planning Group. And like I said in the intro, if you haven't worked with Kim um, and you are either at Social Security, Medicare age or will be, then probably will be working with Kim because we are one big happy team. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Amy. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.